This ring is a copy of a similar ring worn by a Central European actor. His name was Bela Lugosi. Now, that, that's the correct way of pronouncing it. But that was probably a little bit too much for people to take. And so he became immortalized under the name of Bela Lugosi. He made his name, as indeed did I, in the playing of a certain rather strange Transylvanian nobleman. Might interest you to know that Transylvania still exists, and I've been there. And the name of that nobleman, of course, immortalized in one book and known throughout the world now, was quite simply the word Dracula. I certainly did wear it in some as a tribute to Lugosi. So I wore this ring. The picture that we are referring to, that I'm talking about now, in, in a more particular sense, is called Dracula Prince of Darkness, which was the second Dracula picture that I was in. And interestingly enough, there was a gap of something like seven years between the first one and the second one, because I think the first one was made in 1957 or 8, and the second one certainly was made in 1965. People all over the world who've seen that film have asked me why I didn't speak in it. I didn't say a word about the entire film. The answer is very simple. I wrote the script. And the lines were literally unsayable. They were not Bram Stoker. This was a great fight I used to have over the years with Hammer. I kept on saying, why don't you use Stoker's words, Stoker's dialogue, if you like. No, 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 no. So somebody used to write up lines like, I am the apocalypse. And, oh, I mean, beyond belief. So I said, I'm sorry, I'm not saying these lines. You know, you get, get a terrific laugh, which I'm quite convinced we would have done. So I've actually done comes up behind more sword fights on film. To talk to Christopher Lee and to explain to him what i what i wanted so i started to go into this long explanation about what sort of sound he should make when he got stabbed i seem to recall that i did say to peter have you any idea of what kind of noise happens when somebody's stabbed in the back and i said because well, i do oh, yeah. it's not it's not ah i like that it's because the breath's driven out of your body he proceeded to sort of talk about some very clandestine part of World War II. He used to be in the, the British Secret Service, whatever they were called, the OSS. He seemed to have expert knowledge of exactly the sort of noise that they make, and so I just sort of didn't push the subject any further. I just said, well, you obviously know what to do, Christopher, so I'm sure you'll do it great, and he did. Gah! Gah! To us, Mr. Bond, we are the best. Done. And Christopher Lee was the best at being bad. The veteran British actor has died at the age of 93. He played everything from schlock to Shakespeare. But thanks to that voice and his towering height, he'll be remembered as the guy who put the dish in fiendish. Deanna Sumanak Johnson explains. 
Let's pull away. Good evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. As it so happens, I forgot Mr. Well, he was knighted, Sir Christopher Lee. He was born Christopher Frank Caradini Lee on the 27th of May, 1922. So last month would have been his 100th birthday. He had that voice. He had that presence. He was very knowledgeable about magic and about Shakespeare. But he also, during World War II, was an agent for the British um, intelligence and talked about that. And in that clip, you hear him and Peter Jackson on the set of Lord of the Rings. And Peter Jackson is telling him what sound to make when he gets stabbed. And he says, oh, I know. Because he's seen it and then started to talk about his years uh, all over Europe in uh, in the 1940s. Now, Christopher Lee died on June 7th, 2015. He was 93. Very tall. Very, I mean, everyone remembers him from The Wicker Man, from the Dracula movies, to uh, he even did a heavy metal album. But the, this generation, you all remember him as Saruman from the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I know that some of you get him and Sir Ian McKellen mixed up because the white hair and they're both tall. <laughs> yeah. But I thought we would pay tribute to uh, Sir Christopher Lee um, on what would have been his 100th birthday, which was back in May. And I wanted to right a wrong because, uh, you know, a lot of people are turning 100 and uh, it would have it would have been great. But he knew, you know, uh, people often know their time. And he I think he knew when he did the last Lord of the Rings, that was of the Hobbit series. That was going to be his last. Um, He was born uh, in Belgravia, London, the son of Lieutenant Colonel. Jeffrey Tolopi Lee of the 60th King's Royal Rifle Corps and his uh, wife, Countess Estelle Marie. Lee's father fought in a Boer War and the First World War, and his mother was an Edwardian beauty who was painted by Sir John Lavery, Oswald Burley, and Olive Sneal, and sculpted by Claire Sheridan. Her lineage can be traced to Charlemagne. Lee's maternal great-grandfather, Jerome Cardinini, the Mar- Marchese of Sarosa, was an Italian political refugee. His wife, Lee's great-grandmother, was English-born opera singer Maria Candanini. He had an elder sister, Zandra Candanini Lee. Yeah. Now, Christopher Lee, you know, became an actor, but before all of that... um. And we can, you can't always trust <laughs> Wikipedia. That's why you cannot cite it. And, uh, but uh, he, he did a really funny song, if I can find it, where he's talking about martinis. <laughs> he had a great singing voice. And usually actors, they, I love it when they say they can sing. J-Lo. All right, can you hear me? Um, <laughs> and they, eh, it's like a hit or a miss. Um, but he, he, you know, 
to our surprise, he did he did a, a metal album. And is this it? Oh, this is from the Return of Captain Invincible, where he's singing about alcohol. Kentucky Bourbon. Might I say that I'm old-fashioned, très fan That I want a fresh Manhattan with white Anglo-Saxons everywhere. A black Russians, no big lady, give her the Singapore's leash. Let's pull away because I, I could listen to that all day. But I wanted to get to him talking about his military service. A lot of actors, well, what, what you know, uh, the, the more modern day, they wait tables, they are coat check people, they're bricklayers, or in Harrison Ford's case, he was a carpenter and built studios, built a studio actually that the band recorded in and the doors. But Christopher Lee was a Nazi hunter. <laughs> and... Um, not many actors could say that. Is that, oh, yes, I, I did this. And um, let me see if I can find it. Um, he had a very interesting story. He had a very interesting take on magic, on black magic. Um, and, and he always had that voice. I mean, he, he come on, he played the Wicker Man. Let's, let's go there. But um, if I can find it, I'm so tired of these commercials. But it comes from the bait and switch that is... Uh, ah, here we are. This is Christopher Lee talking about his time. Uh, you uh, were interviewed by a colleague and a co-worker uh, of mine a couple of months ago. And this is what happened during the interview. The patch of the group. The group, the, um, and the, the old one and the new one. Because the new one has a different name, I think. Yes, C. It's now the C. That's, that's right. That's the one. And I, so many people have promised me that. 
I will get it for you. And I've never had it. I will get it for you. Well, I will give you an address to send it to. Yes. Hope we must do that after. It's yeah, okay. Okay. What was this? I'm about? wearing the same clothes. Yes, that's, <laughs> it's all, that's spectacular. That's all I have. And the, I only have one suit. Uh, I think the trousers were different, but the rest is the same and the face is the same. Yeah. Well, you see, it, it goes back a long way. It goes uh -huh. back to the Second World War. Uh, I was in what they call special forces. I was in the Air Force and uh -huh. also attached to special forces. So I have a lot of connections even now with the special forces from all over the world. And when I go to different countries, the commanders, the paratroopers, and so on, I collect this insignia. And of course, the uh, famous Kuptian yeah. is almost impossible to find because it doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think there's another one, it's called ESE or something. S-E-S-E-E. -E. It's special yes. defense escort. That's a uh, new one, that's yeah. a new one. And I remember I was in Ghent. Uh -huh. And I met some policemen there, and they said, don't you worry, we will send it to you. Never got they it. never did. Never did. And then I have a great friend who is Belgian, mm -hmm. Commandeur Gérard Lagoon, who is mm -hmm. in the commanders in Belgium, and he is a collector, mm -hmm. and he hasn't got it. And he has been trying for 10 years to get it, and he hasn't got it, because I collect insignia from all over forces, the world. All over the world, you know, anti-terrorist. Well, Mr. Lee, uh, Bart uh, is a man of his word, and he has asked me... He has asked me, he could not be here tonight, but he has asked me to give you these, and I hope uh, you will be happy. Oh is this what you required? I don't believe it. It's incredible. It certainly is. What I don't know how you got it. Uh, well, it's I, incredible. I think, I think Maybe one, I shouldn't he, ask. I think he, he nicked this one off the policeman who was wearing it. <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> <I. laughs> but That's what will amazing. you do with it? I will put it on the wall on in the my wall. collection at mm. home. Yes, definitely. I have uh, the German one, GSK9. Yes. Mm -hmm. I have the French, GIGN, Groupe d'Intervention Gendarmerie Nationale. And uh, this I've heard of, but I've never seen it. But in your in your days in Second World War, were you in the active duty? Oh yes. So you oh, yes. actually wore something like that as well? Uh, no, I was attached to um, three organizations. Mm -hmm. One of which is this tie, SOE. SOE. SOE, which is Special Operations Executive, uh -huh. and I was in uh, Yugoslavia the last year of the war mm -hmm. with Tito as a British liaison officer. I was also attached to the SRS, the British SIS, mm -hmm. and also to a unit called Popsky's Private Army. Very famous, but very strange. Yes. About 100 people. And I was backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards between mm -hmm. the Air Force and the Army and all these groups. And even now, when I go to certain countries and I meet certain people, they say, well, can you prove that you were, you know, part of all this. And I always carry on me the identification, the, and there it is. The membership card? Of the SAS. C-F-F-C Lee. That's right. It's very useful because if I want to go to uh, military headquarters or police headquarters, they say, who are you? Well, you're an actor, but why are you here? Yeah. And so on. Do you have any reason? And I say, that. 
And they'll let you in. And it works all over the world. <laughs> and it certainly has here. It's unbelievable. This. I mean, this is, this is the greatest treasure I've ever had. It's incredible. I am really grateful. Well, I cannot tell you how grateful I am. It's a small effort for us. No, but I, oh, no, a big effort. But it must have been. It must have been. And that's Sir Christopher Lee receiving a special award. I believe it was in Europe in the 2000s. What an extraordinary long life. And here we go. It's worth playing, and I can make a proper contribution. Only one person on the Lord of the Rings film set met J.R.R. Tolkien during their life, and now his own life is at its end. Christopher Lee, who played the corrupt wizard Saruman and once met the author of his iconic adaptive role, has died at 93 years of age. In a 2010 interview with Cinefantastique, the talented British actor described meeting the Lord of the Rings author decades ago quite by chance. He said, I met him with a group of other people in a pub in Oxford he used to go to. He added, I was very much in awe of him, as you can imagine. So I just said, how do you do? Lee, a fan of the book series, called it the greatest literary achievement in my lifetime so that's a clip i thought it was christopher lee himself talking about that but unfortunately in this day and age we don't have that (laughs) now many of you aren't aren't familiar with him playing dracula many of you are more familiar with gary oldman playing dracula um who else played dracula Frank Langella played Dracula. Uh, of course, Bella Lugosi played Dracula. Although Christopher Lee knew the proper pronunciation because Christopher Lee spoke several languages of Bella Lugosi's actual name. But the, the current generation, I think many of you remember him from Lord of the Rings because it is fresh in your brain. As well as the habit, the Hobbit. Smoke rises from the mountain of doom. The hour grows late, and Gandalf the Grey rides to Isengard, seeking my counsel. For that is why you have come. Is it not? My old friend, Saruman. You are sure of this? Beyond any doubt. So the ring of power has been found. All these long years, it was in the Shah. Under my very nose. And yet you did not have the wit to see it. Your love of a halfling's leaf has clearly slowed your mind. But we still have time. Time enough to counter Siron if we act quickly. Time. What time do you think we have? Sauron has regained much of his former strength. He cannot yet take physical form, but his spirit has lost none of its potency. Concealed within his fortress, the Lord of Mordor sees all. His gaze pierces cloud, shadow, earth, and flesh. Speak, Gandalf. A great eye, lidless, wreathed in flame. Yeah. 
lives. He is gathering all the evil to him. Very soon he will have summoned an army great enough to launch an assault upon Middle-earth. You know this? How? I have seen it. A Palantir is a dangerous tool, Saruman. Why? Why should we fear to use it? They are not all accounted for, the lost seeing stones. We do not know who else may be watching. The hour is later than you think. Sauron's forces are already moving. The Nine have left Minas Morgul. The Nine? They crossed the river Aizen on Midsummer's Eve. Disguised as riders in black. They've reached the shore. They will find the ring. And kill the one who carries it. Frodo. that's a pivotal moment those are pivotal movies and those are two great actors Surrey and McKellen and Christopher Lee both both are, are known for those voices Christopher Lee had that booming he could play anything dramatic godly evil demonic voice and then Sir Ian McKellen has that voice as well. And here are these two powerful wizards. And, and one gives in to madness, which is that power that the ring possesses. And Gandalf is like, no, no. And, you know, as you watch that and then you learn the story of Sir Christopher Lee, is that he actually got to meet Tolkien. So here he is. In the film, that was probably a dream of his to be like, whoa, 
I'm, I'm actually in the films. And he's the only one in the entire cast who met the author. And, and probably knew the dialogue um, backwards and forwards. And um, yes, um, it, was, it was always fascinating to uh, see Christopher Lee. Uh, I remember years ago he was on a show and they talked about the credits to his name because he, he did a lot of films. He, of course, was also in... It wasn't was it Willy Wonka? Yeah, or well, Charlie and Chocolate Factory, where he played the father, who happened to be a dentist. How funny! Um, I, I wanted to though go well. We can. It's part of the topic. The two thousands. If you look at those films, the Lord of the Ring films. This this current decade. Is all about trilogies. And you know it started with um, X-Men. And then 2001 is, is the Lord of the Rings. And I remember years ago. Um, taking my cousin to go see the third Lord of the Rings. He had never seen the first two. And he said to me is this over yet? And then he said. Which one are the good guys and which one are the bad guys? It's like, okay. Now, I've never read the books, um, but a friend of the family who's a friend of myself and my brother, he read the books. I'll give Kevin Klein a shout out. And I remember we were sitting on the couch and they were playing video games. And I kept asking him, I said, okay, what happens in the movies? And he says, okay, I'll tell you because he read the books. He says, how... The films may fatefully follow the books. It's it's a hit and miss. But he told me what was going to happen in the final one. And then I saw the final film and I told him, you didn't tell me that was going to happen. And he says, well, I can't tell you everything. Spoil it. Now, that was, of course, a diversion to find the footage that I was looking for. From Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And yes... It's not lost in me that Johnny Depp is in the news. Um, But as I told a friend, Johnny Depp doesn't look like the Johnny Depp that you all just fawned after for years and years. In fact, I remember not too long ago watching Chocolat with friends. And Johnny Depp looks even young then in the film. You look at Johnny Depp now and it's like, okay. All right. Someone's been playing... um, Keith Richards far too long. Here we go. This is a this is a great this is a great role. Do you have an appointment? No. But he's overdue. Open. Oh. Let's see what the damage is, shall we?
heavens. I haven't seen bicuspids like these since... Since... And so that's some of the many films that Christopher Lee was in. And his IMBD. And especially now, what what we consult the I... Oh, God. 286 credits. And even a post-production of the time... The Time War. Where he's the narrator. He was in everything from The Hobbit to The Resident, Hugo... The Wicker Tree, Season of the Witch. Oh, he loved that. Alice in Wonderland, where he was the voice of the Jabberwocky. What else was he in? Star Wars. He was Count Duco. Remember that? The Golden Compass. He was. Um, he was in. He was in. The Corpse Bride, The Adventures of Jeffrey's Bobby, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Revenge of the Sith. And yes, he was also in, let's see, he was in a James Bond film. He was in everything. And, and yes, he, he mostly played bad guys. But he, but he had a great time playing the bad guys. And um, he was the man with the golden gun. Also, I think, trying to remember... I think he had uh, something something interesting to his um, physique that not many talk about. Um, anyway, here we go. This is uh, the Golden Gun, I think. <laughs> The British Secret Service. I shall lie low too. I don't intend to jeopardize a project in which I've invested half my fortune when it's ready to yield billions. Where will you hide out? That does not concern you. Take this. Return it to the plant and don't leave there without my permission. May I remind you that you work for me. I took you on as a junior partner to be an occasional convenience, nothing more. I did not hire you to interfere in my affairs. Is that clearly understood? Yes, very clearly. I now regret having even considered employing your services. But that is beside the point. Bond doesn't know you're in Bangkok. He's never seen you, but he knows me. That's the problem. There's no problem.
What happened? Mr. Fat has just resigned. I'm the new chairman of the board. And that's why he was the man with the golden gun. Very legendary films. Miss Goodnight, please. Mr. Bond. Now let's see what Knickknack has for us. Ah, mushrooms. The fried mushroom looks terribly interesting. Yes, I'd notice that. I'll get around to it later. Having fun in the sun, Goodnight? Yes. I could stay here forever. Mm. Excellent. Slightly reminiscent of a 34 Mouton. Then I must add it to my cellar. You uh, live well, Scaramanga. As a million dollars a contract, I can afford to, Mr. Bond. You work for peanuts. A hearty well done from Her Majesty the Queen and a pittance of a pension. And so he always had that golden gun with him. I believe it was a lighter and a pen. And then he would assemble it and it would become, boom, the man with the golden gun. So Lee died at the Chelsea and Westminster Hospital on June 7th, 2015 with, uh, due to heart failure. His wife delayed the public announcement until June 11th in order to break the news to their family. Yeah, so he was married for over... What was it? Oh, geez. 50-something years, yes. Now, it wouldn't be right for me to end and not play a clip from The Wicker Man. The Wicker Man that Christopher Lee is synonymous with. Yes, he's synonymous with Dracula. He had a voice. I can't, I can't do his voice. The great British actors have that voice. And some of the American actors do, too. The one American actor for me that had a really great, booming voice, there were, there were a few of them. But the one, really, that made an impression, and he continues to, even, even he's been dead for, oh my goodness, 20, 25 years, and that's Robert Mitchum. Robert Mitchum had that voice, that booming voice. He was even a singer, too. Usually the actors with those voices are really great singers, as was Christopher Lee. This is Christopher Lee, of course, in The Wicker Man. Now, those children out there, they're jumping through the flames in the hope that the god of fire will make them fruitful. Really, you can hardly blame them. After all, what girl would not prefer the child of a god to that of some acne-scarred artisan? And, and you, you encourage them in this? Actively. It's most important that each new generation born on summer hour be made aware that here the old gods aren't dead. And what of the true god? To whose glory churches and monasteries have been built on these islands for generations past. Now, sir, what of him? Well, he's dead. He can't complain. He had his chance and in modern parlance. Blew it. And so that's just a brief clip. And... Everyone at the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, wherever you are, Sir Christopher Lee, thank you. And we celebrate him on what would have been his 100th birthday. You know, uh, he didn't make it, nor did Betty White. So um, this is this is a very interesting time. As always, unpleasant dreams.